Good afternoon, and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Randy McSign. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good. As we were talking earlier, and I break the fourth wall, I have been introduced to your work backwards through through Marco and the two albums you have done. But you got a lot going on. You got a lot of solo stuff out. You're getting ready to don't do the tour or do some stuff with Porcupine Tree. Yeah, we've got the uh, the big tour coming up in the fall. Right. Before we go there, we can go there towards the end. Let's talk about your solo stuff because you have a lot. You have a great body of stuff, and it's on Bandcamp. And I'll put the link there. I want people to check it out. And you pretty much do sure. a lot of pretty much your own stuff anyhow on Bandcamp. It's pretty much just you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I run the the page, and uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff on there actually. There is. There's a real lot. It's good. It's interactive. I mean, it's up to date. Sometimes it becomes a ghost town. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like um, what was that other thing we used to go on all the time? It's not even around anymore. You know, MySpace, like <laughs> yeah, like a lot of places, like but MySpace becomes like a ghost town. Like so, nowadays somebody starts a social media page and then they just walk away from it, and just sits there for like five years. New tour <laughs> coming out in 2017. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's with with MySpace, like because uh, I've, I've every once in a while I've had this fantasy of like, oh, maybe I'll just put up a random page on on MySpace now and see if people find it. Um, that would be hilarious. But, you know, for in the mid early to mid two thousands, I mean, that was the place to it be. Was. Uh, it seemed weird though to me, like the way it was put together. I never yeah. got into it until even in computers until like Mac started really getting good. Because to me, it felt like um, my face felt like it was like cut and paste, like a like a serial killer is going to write you a letter and they're cutting out the letters. Like the way the <laughs> template and the form was, it just felt so juvenile to me. Like I didn't feel like it was like yeah. to where I liked my my visuals. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, yeah. But, as an artist, it's good. That would be good to have an artist go back. Like, I have a really huge artist just go back, like Britney Spears, and just do everything on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would, that, would, that would be pretty funny. Um, so let's talk about you. I mean, what would you generally say your music is? I mean, I listen to it. It's very eclectic. It's um, a good word for it, I suppose. Uh, well, you know, it, it depends on how much digging you want to do uh, because, you know, there, there are some things that are not on my band camp page that mm -hmm. uh you know predate what i have there uh, i've basically started my what i would call my music career phase two in 2010 uh with with the release of a, a project called lo-fi resistance and an album yep. called the deep breath but prior to that i had done three uh instrumental solo records which were independently released uh prior to me even singing basically and then there was this transitional phase where I started to sing and started to write songs with lyrics. And the trio that I had at the time from about 2003 to 2006, we recorded more than an album's worth of songs that just people who might still have the CDRs from then when we used to just burn them <laughs> for shows. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. I haven't, I haven't released that stuff officially maybe one day i will uh just out of out of curiosity but so my i'd be interested because in, i've heard your other stuff i've listened to all your other stuff so i'd be curious yeah. to see it out there yeah but in the in the you know 2010 to 2022 basically i've just really just done a lot of exploring i'm just such a music nerd in that way and uh and i really like the idea of pushing myself into new territory right. so i think that's that's where the eclectic thing happens it's not it's not like i made a conscious decision to right. to make as you know much yeah. diverse music as possible i think i've just sort of followed my it my whims you know because yeah. it feels because there is and i say many people think of prog back in the day it would be like you know it's just this john lord keyboard and something else and it was 
whatever. And I love that stuff. I've got a million Yes albums and Deep Purple albums. Me but too. nowadays, Prague, um, a little more expansive. And it almost feels like the more you go out there, it could be, you know, because, you know, with Marco, you guys are aristocrats. You know, you got, you're getting jazz, you're getting this, and you go back. It's not totally jazz. We get the feeling. Next thing you know, it could be like heavy, heavy type of metal, but then it's not. It's got, it's progressive. Is It's just, prog rock to me is just smart music that takes you on a journey, I guess, because it goes anywhere. There's no, sure, you know what I mean, style. Yeah, it's it's a, that's another one of those loaded sort of topics because, uh you know, you could you could find any internet forum about progressive rock where people are endlessly bickering on what it means to be progressive or to be yep. prog. Um, I, I've always been more of a fan of the ideal of being progressive rather than it being like a very restrictive sort of genre. I, I agree. Where, yeah. Where you're ticking all the boxes, and and I love all that stuff too. Uh, you know, give me a Mellotron and I'm and I'm happy. But, but, but it, you know what I'm saying? But frog rock is to me, is yeah. it goes, goes everywhere. It doesn't lock into one genre. And it's For pretty sure. smart in, in the recording and the songwriting of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think the, the McStein and Miniman records, uh, both of which we did in 2020, and, and we are working on a third one. Oh, excellent. Right now, uh, in a lot of ways, those two records, although I wouldn't call them progressive rock, they... They kind of, I think they're the vision of what I largely view as my, uh, the way that I filter all of those mm -hmm. influences. Uh, I feel like Marco and I have put our our music collections uh, into those two records in a way that, um, you know, I, I would be happy to hand those albums to somebody, especially the, the second one is incredibly eclectic uh, for, for me anyways. And I think... McStein and Miniman 2 is the, probably one of the closest visions to like how I want to hear progressive music. Okay. Um, I hear that. Just in terms of where it's willing to go and uh, the ability to sort of bounce between genres, but, but not as a, not as a cliche or like, like a sort of parody of genre. Just like, I I, saying, I, it yeah, feels like where the song needs to go. That's kind of, it's, yeah. like, it's to me, progressive rock is, is, is it's, you're writing a song and it goes where it has to go. Does it have jazz chords in it? Is it next thing you know, is it going to be fast? Is it going to go slow again? Is there a Beatles-esque melody? And then you're back to a threat. I mean, it's, it's where your song you feel as an artist needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually there's some really smart phrasing and arrangements in it too, that if you're playing it as a musician, you're like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. now and then you get that too in a good frog song. You're like, what the? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's, it's, I think it's kind of a, thing probably for a lot of people where when i write something i'm just it feels good to me i'm not thinking about how complicated it is or right. not uh it it may hit somebody else's ear as a complicated thing but it's completely natural right um if if i've written it but then you know marco brings in something and i'm like <laughs> you know so so it's all it all depends on the context how do you guys do that because he also plays like every instrument he touches he does yeah so and you you put you you got your hands on a lot of stuff too though so it's not you're not shabby yourself and you, obviously you're a fantastic guitar player too. How do you find out the balance? Because when I spoke to him about songwriting in the Aristocrats, it's kind of like they all kind of each bring in a couple songs each, and it feels weird to me. I'm like, wouldn't it be weird to tell somebody like you know the other members of the band who are like also the best at what they do? Here's a right. guitar line for you. I'd be like, well, but so like, how does that work for you guys when you guys write? Well, so far it has been uh, somewhat 
similar to the aristocrats approach. Oh, really? uh, so in the sense that we haven't yet done many uh, technical co-writes. There's only been a few. But the project was sort of founded on the idea that I would bring a couple of songs to the table, he would bring a couple, and we would kind of just filter it through each other and, Flesh it and, out. Yeah. and see how it is. So my I, I'm generalizing here, but I would say when I write a song for Mixed and Miniman, uh, well, both of us pretty much produce the songs that we've written in a close to final state yeah. as we, as we see it. So a lot of times the things I write when I present it to Marco, it's a full on production. And the only thing that it technically needs is him to replace, you know, my program drums. And right. then, you know, that's, that's his main contribution to my tunes, but because he is such a prolific, uh, you know, instrumentalist and, and arranger and, and writer himself, there are many times where he'll pick up a guitar, add some extra layers, add some extra keyboard parts. And that's, that's generally what happens with my songs. Uh, with his tunes, he, he really gets, uh, he can really go out there in a way that, <laughs> that I don't naturally, just, just because, you know, his brain and, and the way he processes music is just on a completely different level from from myself most, mo the most people <laughs> yeah yeah it's remarkable you know so when he sends a song and he's got it you know lyrics melodies all that kind of stuff it usually takes me a little while to kind of sit with it and find my roadmap because ultimately i'm the one who's going to end up singing it mm -hmm. and when we play live playing the main guitar part so i'm always i'm i sort of like deconstruct it you know, I get all the tracks in and I kind of isolate things and listen to what's going on. And to his credit, uh, he really trusts that when I present, you know, my version of his song uh, back to or yeah, my version of his song back to him, I will have really put my producer cap on and kind of, you know, I'm given free reign to make it my own, yeah. essentially. And song after song, it's 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 worked in a way that he yeah really trusts what I do, and and we have such a strong mutual respect for one another. I think that's how it kind of comes out as Mixstein and Miniman music. You know, um, he he if if we're coming from extreme poles and and he's able to take it way out, and sometimes I want it to be a little bit more grounded. Let's say, um, I think we have a great way of pulling each other to the center. And that's kind of our sweet spot. And sometimes it, you know, veers on either side of it. Um, but really interesting things seem to happen when we uh, when we make music. Well, I enjoy the albums, and it's great. It's yeah. it's it's because it's, it's nice to hear that the thought process as a listener, because you don't hear that and hearing it afterwards. You go back and listen to it, you're like, oh, like it's, it gives a different perspective, you know, which is always yeah. fun as a as a music fan to hear the thought process of it. And because sure. in in this field that you're in, there are a lot more projects. And it is, I think it's healthier for artists that are creative. Some artists don't, they just want to be, you know, I'm not even making a dig. Like American Idol, they like, just get a song. Even if they don't write it, they just want, they're performers is what they are. Yeah. Some people are both. Some people are just creative songwriters. And if you're a creative songwriter and then you're stuck in a genre where you're just not able to write new albums all the time or work with other people, it's soul crushing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're both 
people who make a lot of music and, and Marco is unstoppable. I mean, he, he's kind of in it. I mean, I thought I had an, I don't want to call it an obsession, but I thought that my sort of routines around music were yeah. already, you know, pretty locked in, but he's amazing at that. I mean, he's just like, he has a real drive and an ability to lock in to things, uh, which, which is also very inspiring uh, to me. But yeah, I'm at a place in terms of multiple projects where I, I occasionally get asked to do things or, you know, maybe start something or try something out. And my curiosity is such that I, I have such a hard time saying no, because I just always want, oh, I wonder what it would sound like with those yeah. people in the room. But at the same time, I'm, I'm also realizing that I only have so much time and so much interest to to really focus on the things that I really want to move forward. And so it's, it's becoming a quality over quantity situation where it's like, I, there are tons of things I would love to do, but when you get into it, it's like, okay, well, everybody's got their own lives, their own schedules. Right. How far out do you see it? Is this, is it a one-time thing? Is it a multiple year plan? I mean, I, I didn't used to think that way. It used to just be like, yeah, whatever. And just kind of, wander around but right. I, I as as you get deeper into uh career and just lifestyle changes and stuff uh you have to consider how much is is really going to um yeah prioritize your your time so the thing that i'm really excited about with mcstein and miniman is that we we kind of went into it in a you know, a loose kind of let's try a few songs and just see mm -hmm. what happens thing. And we really locked into something that we both feel uh, has a lot of potential to to really grow. And we we played a couple of live gigs uh, in early May on something called Cruise to the Edge, which is a big progressive. Oh, everybody, rock. everybody I keep talking to talks about. It. I can't. I missed it. I, I'm terrified of the ocean and, and cruise ships. And cruise ships because even before COVID. God forbid somebody gets like, you know, some kind of bug and the whole boat's yeah. hanging over the edge or in the bathroom or whatever. And I'm like, oh, no. but then no, cruises have been awesome lately. Well, I, I did come home with COVID. So um, that did happen and a lot of other <laughs> as well. But I, I, I will say only because it, it wasn't, uh, as far as I know, nobody was seriously, seriously ill. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have traded the experience because we we finally got to to play live, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was really what we needed, I think, to see the bigger picture. Uh -huh. uh, because when you're making albums in isolation and and during the quarantine, it was it was a huge sort of uh, distraction from the outside world, and it was a very inspiring time in some ways, but. Uh, I think until you, you put music in front of people in a room or, you know, in an open air situation, yeah. uh, that's how you really know if you're... If it works. And if the songs work, too. I mean, Exactly. Well, it's interesting because it feels like with that, you have... Well, your solo stuff is a little bit more laid back, so it, it could be more of a like a nightclub. It can play a different atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Marco's a different type of atmosphere. Almost, it could almost be a different fan base, you know what I mean? And now yeah. you and so those are those are your probably your two big biggest main things you have focused on right now, but then you're gonna add a third piece in now, touring and porcupine tree. 
are you like how are you going to keep that going? Because you have some really great songs as it is. So I mean, you, you know, how do you find a balance of it? Because you know, Pork Entry is awesome. I love yeah. it. But you also want to keep your soul stuff too, and your other stuff. You want to still got to keep your soul without being part of the machine. Sure, you, sure. You know, uh, you know. Well, thank you for saying that about the songs. Uh, I, I would, I would say this. You know, getting the the call for for Porcupine Tree. Uh, obviously, it immediately sort of changed my my world in terms really? of, uh, you know, my responsibilities and, and priorities. And uh, I'm super honored to uh, to be a part of that story uh, for this upcoming tour and this new album that they've put out. I, I think the album's great, and yeah. I have my own history with the band just purely as a fan. You know, I, mm-hmm. uh, my age has to come into perspective here because I'm I'm 34, and you know, 20 years ago, In Absentia came out, which was the the record that a lot of people discovered yep. them on right. and that's when Gavin Harrison joined the band so yeah I, I was basically 15 when I bought that record and and I was a full-time gigging musician I was already like I said I'd already released albums of, of my own uh, but just I hadn't broken into the sort of world of musicians that I now uh, but do you do that right when you're rehearsing with them you're like oh wow this is a song I play. I remember hearing this when I was 15, guys. <laughs> when you yeah. rehearse with them, no, no, <laughs> give them a hard no, time. But seriously, it, it is a little bit of a, you know, a surreal experience. Uh, we, we've only rehearsed, a, we did a week in, in April. And mm-hmm. obviously with the tour coming up, I'll be seeing those guys very soon. But it was definitely, yeah, one of those things where, you know, I'd be closing my eyes, playing the tunes, uh, paying attention to what I need to do, but then also just I'm listening to, you know, Stephen Wilson, Gavin Harrison, Richard Barbieri in my, in my ears. And I'm like, wow, what is happening right now? You know, it's very uh, sort of out of body. I was a fan. And I think it's going to add to you because I think when you get done with this, I'm looking forward to hearing your next solo piece <laughs> after being in a band with these guys, because every time you were somebody different, yeah, it adds to your, your quill or whatever your, your, your paintbrushes. Yeah. And obviously, you know, these guys are, it's a loaded stack of talent, all of them, you know, and I can't escape it an interview lately without something that Steve Wilson hasn't, you know, remixed or redone, better <laughs> right. version of it. I'm talking to Jethro Tull, I'm talking to Fisher, like I'm talking to everyone I talk to, uh, yeah. you know, Ryan Stolt, like everyone, he's done a remix lately. So yeah. just by proxy, the stuff that you could learn, experience on a new adventure that'll bleed over into your solo stuff, you know, it's going to be kind oh, of cool. Sure. No, no, it's great. And it's, and it's, it's, and I'm going to get back to your initial question, but uh, it is, it's a great opportunity to, to sort of take all of these interests and things that I already do as a musician, as a writer, player, singer, and uh, kind of bring them all together for a very specific uh, role, which is, you know, through the porcupine tree music. Uh, I think Stephen and I have, as I'm discovering, we have so many mutual uh, core influences mm-hmm. that even though he himself has been an influence on the things that I've done, again, because I've like Porcupine Tree, they're a part of that generation of new music. Absolutely. It was uh, 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 
a footstep of, of thing. It'd be interesting. Yeah. So you, he could be you could be influencing him when you were influenced by him. So he's like re-influencing himself is what is happening. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're caught in some sort of yeah, strange, some, yeah, it's a metaverse or something. Exactly. <laughs> because I, you know, I grew up with with uh, a big collection of you know classic progressive music hard rock blues rock um my dad i hear, was I hear yes in it right like i hear some yes influence yeah. and not in the sound when i say it i hear it in being recently in x amount of years playing guitar and stuff and songwriting and hearing it in the something in the songwriting i hear it mm. the, the availability right to use other notes and not be restrained sure. by going to the next typical what well, would make sense in this scale to go here you're like yeah but maybe not you know, I I, yeah. I I feel that kind of influence, not in, oh, this sounds like a Yes album, because nothing sounds like a Yes album, you know what I mean? Exactly. And nothing yeah. used to. No. But, but the songwriting, the, 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 the yeah, something about the, the, the freedom of the writing feels very similar when I listen to you, and I, you know, I'll, if I listen to Yes or something. Well, thank, yeah, thank you. I mean, huge influence. They're actually the first band I ever saw live. Uh, I saw them with Trevor Rabin in 1995, uh, just about a week after my sixth birthday. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was very fortunate that I had parents who, who were really into music, uh, my dad specifically. And I grew up around his, you know, his music collection. Uh, he also had a great sort of VHS collection of, you know, just, just rare concerts and, and oh, things nice. that you have to get at trade shows, you know, the stuff that became YouTube, but right. for YouTube. I get that. So, I, I mean, I was constantly absorbed in that stuff. And by the time I was able to start going to shows, with progressive rock in particular, all of the classic bands were sort of back in from like 1994 to 96. So between the ages of six and eight, I, I saw Yes, Jethro Tull, ELP, King Crimson on the Thrack tour. So, I mean, those things, even though the memories of them are hazy because it was so long ago um the, you know the the impact that yeah. has and what it did for my uh just my musical vocabulary right. uh, I'm, I'm not like i'm not really much of a theory guy but my my ears have developed to sort of want to seek out that those kind of melodies right. and stuff that you're talking about i mean, I mean if you think about it you could probably sit down right now or probably a long time ago we could sit down and listen to every music and be like pretty much everything's been written you can sure. say every 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 pop song's actually been written by the Beatles if you really want to get down to it. But yeah. <laughs> but if you but then you take that you peel it back a little bit and you go, All right. Once you somebody hears something and how they interpret it, it's not the same guitar palette, same notes. Like how do you interpret that song? And you're like, well, I don't even know how you got that out of that, because you do not sound like yes is an example, this easy example. You uh, but I hear songwriting similarities in how I explained it. So it's how you reinterpret stuff. It's not you becoming that. So then it's almost its new thing again because it's yeah. re-extrapolating it to something different. So yeah. it's making itself almost like a heck of a beehive. Like it's just making more on yeah. top of it from that one piece. It's the Your only dad's way. Your mind I... must be blown by you by where you are right now. What's that? Your dad's mind must have been blown as your career just kept going on and on. Yeah. He sadly he passed about uh, five years ago. I'm but sorry. Uh, thank you. But uh, no, there's no doubt that the uh, even then the trajectory of, of uh, there were a lot of full circle things, you know, like like pe bands that he took me to see and and musicians that over time I would had started to work with and record with. Mm -hmm. 
so those those were constantly, you know, huge things for him. And and he he would be, I don't know, blown just blown away by, I think both the McSteiner Miniman records and um, this Porcupine Tree thing. But but yeah, it's you know it's great. Um, I I have his music collection. You know, steps from my. It's uh, quite 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 a gift to have then, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's it, so it's it's always um, that's that's always with me, which is yeah. which is great. Um, but man, I don't know. Like ten minutes ago, you had asked about prioritizing. Yeah. The different projects, and I think, you know, something like Porcupine Tree kind of coming in and uh, taking priority for the time being, because I, be. You're I don't know where that's going ultimately, <laughs> but that's, um, that's where it is right now. You know, it's very, very clear lines of what the tour is and, and what the responsibility is and what, what the opportunity is to, to really, uh, you know, bring my, my character, uh, to that music and, uh, obviously, you know, play in front of a lot of people. I, I agree. You know, yeah. you can always see your soul stuff without losing your stuff. Yeah. This yeah. opportunity, this is a huge opportunity, not just because of like, if they're commercially, they're more a little viable. Sure. It's who you have in the band mm-hmm. to work with is, is its own gift and its Absolutely. own yeah. things that you will learn or work with and establish in your, as your life goes on. So, I mean, and also as a grown-up, it is important to have a good gig as a working musician. Let's be honest. You know I mean? And it is, it, name recognition does help, you know? Well, you've I know you've you've had uh, Mike Keneally on. I have. And, uh, you know, Mike, I just adore him both as a person, obviously as a musician, just incredible. Um, but, you know, look look at his his career. I mean, that's, that's just one guy. I mean, I, I think there, in, unless you sort of, land the thing or or you become the thing that just kind of takes everything else out of the equation mm-hmm. and, and your own music becomes your sole priority and your sole income i mean you know that's that's one thing um oh, but, right he, he's an example perfect example or adrian i'm sorry i said over you adrian blue is just on too yeah he's he was just on he's uh, a couple weeks ago he's releasing his, or did did his 25th album Mm-hmm. And he was also, and he's also doing some stuff for David Bowie. So he's done stuff for David Bowie, Zappa. Right. I mean, another person who's you go on. You, you, these are also great identities, identities to have you with. But right. you can also go on, and you know what I mean. You just got to keep moving things around. Well, and I also just love uh, a lot of different bands and, and musicians that, if given the opportunity to work with, I, yeah. I would jump at that chance. I mean, you know, right now it's it's porcupine tree and for what they do uh i can't think of another group of people making that kind of music that i really you know want to be a part that of that phone call must have been like christmas and your birthday together like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean that's great but man if you know if neil finn called me up and said hey i hear you're really good you know can you come play some crowded house tunes i'd be there yeah. in a heartbeat you know it's like look yeah they're just awesome there are certain things that uh, you just you can't you can't deny, um, right? But you got to keep growing up. as a musician. Yeah. I mean, if you actually have you heard the the, the newest Carter House album, I love and it. I, I, lo- I love it, and it sounds like it's they're straddling each side of the fence because they're not. There's some newer sounds in there, 
yep. but they're not forced over the older sounds. They didn't give up their old sound and the old melody. And I think mm-hmm. it helps that he's got family in the band because nothing gets better for vocals than having your, yeah. your your children and your voices together. You know. Oh, it's great. And Mitchell Froom is back, so yeah, yes, yep. you know all of that kind of textural stuff is is back into the band. So yeah, and I mean, he and he did Fleetwood Mac too. Probably yeah. one of the best albums. Done. Other albums are always good. You know, the album holds as good. You know, might not have the same hits as before because it's a different time. Yeah, but it's as good an album as the first big ones. And after doing that album, he took a break for a minute, hot minute, and then he played with another different band, Fleetwood Mac, which is totally you, I wouldn't have seen that coming. No, no, yeah, right. But so that's what I'm saying. You see an opportunity, yeah. no matter who you are. It's a great left turn. Yeah, and actually, just uh, I remember listening to an interview with Neil Finn about that in particular, and. He described getting the call from uh, Mick Fleetwood to, you know, maybe join and, and come down and jam and stuff and how he wasn't sure, you know, he was kind of conflicted about it for about 24 hours. And, and basically like, yeah, his wife and kids were like, come on, you, you're not going to go sing <laughs> with at least at least see what it's like to go sing with Stevie Nicks. Yeah. And when once he was able to sort of reframe it and not blow it up into this huge thing. He was like, well, yeah, of course I'd like to have a sing with Fleetwood Mac. Like, why Why wouldn't you? Um, I mean, his vocals and his playing, I mean, he, yeah. I think the comparison was a fear. I mean, they've broken up so many times with, with Lindsay, and Lindsay's a great player. So to get involved in that and want to stay on the outside of that and not be involved in that little divorcey thing going on there as an artist, yeah. you know, we've already seen it with David Roth and Sammy Hagar and stuff. I mean, that kind of blew the doors open for, every, for everyone else to kind of come in and do that. At first it was, oh my God, there's two camps. And there still yeah. is some some people, course, you know. Yeah. I'll be honest. I like I like old Dave and pretty much all Sammy. So, <laughs> yeah. Dave can't Dave can't sing anymore. He's a little, a little wacky. And he's a little wacky at this point too. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's um, you know, the opportunity to kind of play with new people, put yourself in a new context, uh, learn a lot of new things. All that kind of stuff gets re, refiltered, uh, mm-hmm. into future work, and you know it. it I suppose it could also be a bit of a curse if people are sort of expecting that the next thing you do is going to sound like, you know, it's informed by that, but it's, it will naturally I don't, just I don't be in so. there. I mean, well, just don't read the forums. Yeah. Anything, I mean, actually there's a forum. It's super intense. Like I, I interviewed Ian Anderson and I was talking about um, the other singer, the guitar player he had for a while after Martin and everyone's like, it's not it because it's not Martin. It's a solo album. It's this and that. Like, and everyone just gets into the minutia of fighting about it. I'm like, I don't know. It's got his voice on it and it's got a flute. And I have, a, I have a, another one. I probably have a 12. I don't even tell my albums. I have him too. I'm a big fan. And I, I love Martin, but I also like his other guitar player, mm-hmm. you know, and I like all of them. It's just, it's just different versions. And I say to people all the time, you, you know, you can't go to work. I mean, you got to go to work, same job for 20 years. Odds are there's going to be a lot of people coming in and out and the job is still going to be done the same pretty much a little different mm-hmm. so to expect a band to never change yeah sometimes it's even better i've seen some bands have lost their best singer and then they'll come with a new singer and it's like new energy and the band's actually oh, better yeah you know so when people get caught up in that too much it's like come on people yeah just enjoy the music exactly um but you know i i get it too because people have memories uh attached to certain people and and change is hard for most humans i mean just just at a core level but i've i've always found myself sort of embracing it and uh that that 
just change in general has allowed me to keep exploring and keep trying things and to not stay in the safety zone all the time. I think that's what well, the irony is as a musician to be in the prog world, right? It's all about change. So the fact that the fans don't like change is a terrible irony. Because, it is an irony. <laughs> because an artist is a prog artist. You're like, that's all I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, but they still see it in a different way. And, and it's not knocking on me, but it's like, I don't know. Man. I look in the mirror now myself and picture myself 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I'm not the same dude. Oh, no. Fact, no. I don't even think the same way. I couldn't. Yes. And then, I, then once I do that self reflection and, and you think about an artist, like a band, you're like, well, if they can still do it and they like that, oh, that's awesome. But if they don't, that's awesome. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like they're still doing stuff. Good for you. Exactly. If you don't like yeah. it, you don't like it. You still have to listen to it. You can still remember that version without taking the other person down. And and I'm hoping with you, this is cause opens more doors. I hope some people that we may not have known you from from Marco or like. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, Marco's thing is how I I got into you, and then I backwards went into your band camp and all your your solo stuff. Right. So that was my way, and that was my gateway drug, right? Marco Marco is the gateway drug. I've heard it. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the work you do with Porcupine Tree will be somebody else will be like, oh, and then it's like, oh, Marco, we knew, oh, the solo. Like and also like it just. It's yeah. going to expand. And other artists that didn't know you, they'll meet on a tour, you'll meet here, and they're like, oh, I liked him in Porcupine. I like this sound. I didn't even think about that. Oh, just because you're going to be visually out there and, yeah. and sonically in concerts, and who knows where things could go. You know? Absolutely. No, it's, it's all very exciting to me. Yeah. And uh, the thing is that the, the work that I've been doing this whole time, uh, it's, just, it's just there for people to discover. So, I mean, whether that's today or that's two months from now or two years, uh, as long as I'm feeling engaged in the work and feel passionate about the things that I'm pursuing and and moving forward, then when opportunities come along or, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always just, you know, there are multiple roads to, to take, but for me, there's, there's, the center point of everything is just like, is this something that I really want to do? Uh, and because I think we're all looking to avoid uh, <laughs> the things we don't want to do. Right. And I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that when I think about the, the, the people that I interact with now and the sort of irons in the fire, it's all stuff that even if I just had to do one of those things, I would be incredibly right. grateful yes. for. Yeah. Uh, but having, having, you know, a small sort of uh, group of things that I can sort of bounce back and forth between is uh, amazing. You know, I mean, I, j- I just played a couple of solo, solo gigs, uh, like acoustic uh, opening for, I did one gig opening for Marillion last weekend oh, cool. at one of their uh, weekend conventions up in Montreal. And, you know, it was very important for me a couple of years ago, uh, 2019 now, where I sort of had this epiphany that I, I really needed to develop a truly solo uh, repertoire so that if all else went away, you know, I can get in my car and go play a gig somewhere yeah. and show up with an acoustic guitar and some pedals and, and, and play a set of songs. And that decision kind of carried through to the end of 2019 when I toured with the pineapple thief, which is another band that Gavin Hurton <sighs> yeah, plays so with. Good. So good. 
Yeah. And that, but that was like, you know, trial by fire. I had worked up to that moment, you know, for, for the entire year, essentially just, just kind of prepping for it and doing 20 dates, uh, totally changed my whole perspective as a singer, as a writer, as a performer, because again, it was that thing. It's like, you're one guy stepping out on stage. There's nothing, nothing to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And you're the opening act. So nobody is technically there to see you. Yeah. And, you know, who are you in that moment? How do you, how do you connect? And thankfully it was really good from the first show, but I mean, the amount of growth for me personally from day one to, you know, a month later was something that you just, you can't put a price on that kind of experience. And and that led directly into the McStein and Miniman records and then now playing live again in Porcupine Tree. So, so it's all a part of this, this thread that kind of gets carried through yep. based on things like luck and timing, but, but just artistic chances that I've taken. Cause at any point I could have just kind of sat back, I suppose, and said, um, I think I'll stop striving now. I think I'll just stop, never stop. and be comfortable, but I'm, I'm not really able to do that. Um, there's, there's something that I'm always constantly working towards and, uh, you know, it seems to be working out. Pretty awesome. I mean, and so people that are my audience that may not know who you are, you know, yeah. they've taken my marker one. And, <laughs> <laughs> I've had people come on and, you know, harass me. It's, it's a mixed audience. And that's the whole goal of the show is to have yeah. all different art. I like, I listen to so much different types of music and I want the show to reflect all the artists I listen to and all the types of music. You know, like remember growing up, you listen to the TV, like a show and you're like, oh, I don't know who the artist is just because they're being interviewed. And also it opens your mind to them, even if you're not your thing. And then maybe later on you'll go back to it. It's about opening doors for people and, you know, connecting them to check your stuff out. So the links for Bandcamp will be there, your web page, which really kind of goes back to Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're getting ready to do Porcupine Tree, and, you know, that's awesome. And hopefully more solo stuff, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, yeah, we're working on the third McStein um, Miniman right now. Marco is out with the Aristocrats. They just started a tour a couple yep. of days ago. And when his tour ends, uh, my tour with Porcupine Tree begins. So um, it'll be important for me to uh, kind of get a bunch of work done between now and, and September on that. Basically, everything's yeah. written. It just has to be uh, fleshed out. Together. And uh, so I think that's going to be great. I don't see that coming out by the end of the year, just with the way things are. I, I would... I would assume maybe early, early 23. As much as I want to hear it, the idea of you two both being on tour and then coming back to record will probably be like so much energetic and so much fresher and your chops. See what I'm saying? It'll be like, like you're in a different room and you can't mix it up. Then you come back to it again. You're looking at it with fresh eyes or fresh fingers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Both. Uh, But yeah, we've, we've got some really interesting material. I think, Uh, I mean, it's, it sounds like us. I mean, that's, that's the funny thing is the way we headed into it was so innocent. There was really no, discussion about style it was really just like yeah put a send me a few songs and where yeah. i where i my mindset toward the end of 2019 was more geared towards like heavy trio rock kind of stuff so the so the first album kind of reflects this 
mix of like hard rock and sort of like power pop stuff uh, very short punchy songs and and that kind of became the the template but it wasn't uh it wasn't really discussed it just kind of ended up there and then the second record we just immediately went into it and i think we were getting more comfortable and it was also sort of uh you know hitting that mark of the the pandemic of the first year where it was like okay well i guess we're going to be here for a while so i think the musical ideas got a little nuttier and a little bit more uh sort of yeah expansive and uh so that so that record is this sort of beautifully chaotic roller coaster that i think when you when you're first hit with it it's like man i you know i don't know where any of this is going you have to just kind of go along for the ride but um after several listens if you if you give it right. the time. i can see yeah if you're not if you're not used to it but like being a fan of marco's prior yeah i i always walk in with no expectations into the into the party with him yeah so to, to me it wasn't like i'm like well i expect the unexpected you know what i mean yeah if he did like something normal i'd be like when's it gonna happen so yeah but to me i, I was already jumped into the album full you know full steam ahead um yeah. So I think this next record will will also reflect uh, just what it is that we do when we make music together, and uh, you know it'll it'll always be full of surprises as well, cool. um, just just naturally. And then as far as solo thing, I'm starting to conceptualize that as well. Uh, I can't really you know prioritize it right now, but but I have been writing and and kind of thinking about some of the past work that I've done. Uh, there, there was an album I did called Blank, which came out in 2016. And it didn't, it didn't have any press. It just kind of came and went. But it's a record that I'm still very proud of because at the time I had kind of thrown out a lot of my tendencies uh, when it came to arranging and mm-hmm. producing music to really focus on this, this kind of ambient acoustic singer-songwriter approach. Um, I stripped a lot of things away. There's like no drums on the record. And really just just focused on the songs and the textures that I could create. And uh, I, I kind of, I'm kind of sensing that the next thing I do from a solo perspective will probably reflect some of that characteristic mixed with some new approaches as well. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, I find I'm, I have this pendulum that swings between like kind of minimalist, just wanting to, you know, play acoustic guitar and sing a song and have it just stand on its own without mm-hmm. anything else. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting that to be the core of a lot of what I do now so that if it works there, I know that when the pendulum swings to the sort of maximalist side, the, the, the details will be really fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that, especially in progressive rock, I think one of the stereotypes and it's, you know, sadly for good reason, it just a lot of times I, I don't find that there's a, there's a song at the core of things. There's a lot of, really fun parts and there's a lot of great playing and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's easy to overlook the components that just like are a song that I want to hear. Right. 
and I think a lot of the classic bands, just because you've name checked them a few times, like a band like Yes, at when when they're when they peaked, or you know when they were doing the best version of what it is that they did, I think there's there's always a song and there's always like these beautiful melodies and and memorable parts. So I'm always trying to find that balance. I think because um, you know mentioning Neil Finn, it's like. If I if I could write a song half as good as that guy, um, start there and then, you know, you can fill in the details all day long. Yeah. But when you strip yeah. it down to one instrument and one voice, is it still uh, something that can that can work? And so that's that's kind of been more of my priority lately. Just thinking about writing a song from start to finish that I could just play. If it's just me sitting here, and then filling it in later um so yeah that's good but i like that that's perfect i mean as a fan yeah i'm looking forward yeah. to it well i want to thank you for coming on like i said this has been very exciting you got a lot of projects going on and we're gonna have you back probably i don't know when you ball i don't know we'll see when your album's ready your, your next album's ready <laughs> yeah know? let's let's uh let's talk when you know after the the tour has uh become a little bit of a memory I mean, and uh, when there's some new music next yeah. year be That'd be awesome. Right. I'm like, and we'll talk about it because I'm looking forward to hearing how the influences have changed, how your perspective from today has changed as a, a player, and all the new things are going to happen to you between now and then re-recording the music that you have, like how it's going to be interpreted again. You know what I mean? Right, right. Will it stay the same? Will it change? Will yeah, because it could change again a little bit. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how it develops and talking about it. Yeah, so. we're talking. It's July, so yeah, I'll be a very different person. Uh, you yeah. know, come. December. <laughs> That's awesome. So people check them out and I want to thank you for being on the show, man. It's been awesome. Thank you, Appreciate it. Thank you.